The Changeling, 1980, with Hammond the Chamberlain. In this episode, Hammond Chamberlain returns with another dose of horror. But this time, he's only focusing on one of You'll find out why the Changeling stands up as one of the greatest ghost stories ever made. Hammond also shares a personal story that'll send chills down your spine. You'll get all that and oh so much more in this episode. Welcome to yet another in a long line of bonus episodes. By the time you're hearing me, folks, I'm actually, it's debatable whether I'm even awake right now. And I'm hearing weird music. I don't. It's a lawnmower outside my window. <laughs> it's like, why is there an organ playing in my right ear? And I am here with the one, the only, although I think it's debatable, it could be the second and the other version, because he's been on once before already for the bonus episodes, but that's okay. We're happy as hell to have him back. Hammond Chamberlain. Hey, how you doing? I know it's Chamberlain, by the way. I just right, yeah, it's fine. I like to emphasize. That's okay, uh, Mr. Robinson. Robinson? Yeah. Robertson? Roberson or Robinson? <laughs> you know what? People call me Joe Rob. By the way, this is the moments that I have to freaking edit later. God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Joe Robinson. Really? I got that a lot. It's like, really? It's not that hard. You know, it's say my name. Joel Robertson. Oh, okay, Joe Robinson. Step right. Oh, my God. That's okay. I always know when people uh, uh, call and they know me because they ask for Hammond. And if they don't know me, they ask for James. Oh, is that and true? I, the, yeah, then James is, yeah, James is at home. Sorry. James is never home. No. Nope. So, Hammond, how are you, my friend? I am great. I am glad to be back on. I feel very privileged that you asked me to be on again. That means I didn't uh, screw up the first one. Uh, this is true. And it also meant that uh, I was a few guest hosts short, and I knew I could count on you. Why? Well, that's very flattering. And I, my other go-to is Peter. So both of you will be doing more than one, and I appreciate, I appreciate that from both of you. That is very good company to be kept in. Because I I may do end up doing one or two by myself, but it's not, and it's weird. It's not that I'm like, oh, I'm scared to do it. I just, I, I'm so used to having the back and forth with somebody. <laughs> you know, doing it by yourself causes blindness. Well, not the way I do it. <laughs> it causes deafness. And there's a phone ringing in the background. That's that's yours, not mine. I know, ruined my joke. Dang it! All right. So, Hammond, what movie are you covering for this bonus? Well, I felt like I kind of cheated the first time because I covered you five really in like rapid, yeah. rapid fire succession. It was like machine gun movie coverage. I decided, and the one I wanted to cover is The Changeling. You and mentioned that. So that's what I'm here to do is to actually This is the Angelina the Jolie. Hail no. Movie uh, set in the 20s. She's a flapper, I believe, of some sort. No, this is the 1980s with George C. Scott mm. in the big. In the big damn creepy house. You can't blame me for mistaking him for Angelina Jolie, though. Yes, he does have the legs of a dancer. And the cheekbones of a <laughs> Angelina Jolie. You can cut butter with those things. <laughs> so, what is it about this movie? Why did you want to share this movie with the world? Well, the, the main reason I wanted to is because it's a genuine, honest-to-goodness ghost story. 
and it doesn't rely on any of the modern-day cliches of said ghost stories. It actually tends to... This is going to be the dumbest phrase probably ever recorded, but it sound, it feels like something would feel if there were a real haunting. Hmm. I don't think that's the dumbest phrase. Okay. I, I, I'm pretty confident you can go back through 100 and some odd episodes of Forgotten Flicks and find many, many phrases much, much dumber. Including for, uh, Trick or Treat was one of the best movies I'd seen that year. Yeah, that well, that would be one. I was referring more to things that I said <laughs> and occasionally Jason said, but if you want to go with that, we'll go. <laughs> No, and the thing is, it's actually a very complex movie. It it kind of each act has serves its own point. There's the there's the tragedy, then there's the ghost story, and then it moves into almost like a procedural murder mystery at the end. And it's very well crafted. It's excellently paced. Um, I, I avoided taking notes in the last act because I really didn't want to talk about spoilers in any way, shape, or form. So I actually stop Good. at what would be the crescendo of the movie, which is the the seance. And it's it's fantastic with the way it's paced. George C. Scott is believable. The relationship that he develops with the the female lead is not rushed. It's not forced. They don't go from, hi, my name is the lady you're going to sleep with in 20 minutes. It's this natural evolution of a relationship that feels like things are going to continue once the movie's done. Also, it scared the living piss out of me. You and Martin Scorsese, apparently. Really? It was apparently in his top list for scariest movies ever made. I feel like this one fits into the trifecta of the uninvited, the haunting. I feel like this one fits in very nicely with those three. So if you're going to sit down and watch three genuine ghost movies... Those are the three you go with. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because they kind of set the template for all the things that are coming out now. Yeah, and as I recall, it's been a very long time since I've seen it. At least 10 years. And I remember loving it. I guess the the main thing was, I remember much to the point you just made about the haunting and the uninvited. You don't see a lot in those movies, and I think you see a bit more in this one, but it's still a lot more suggestive than it is explicit in what it shows you. Though, I think whereas with those movies, especially The Haunting, you can come away going, okay, was it all in her head? Was it a legitimate haunting, et cetera, et cetera? For sure, in The Changeling, there's no doubt. Oh, yeah. No, it's 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 a v- extremely well-crafted, well-paced build-up to some really scary-ass stuff. And so kind of as a synopsis of it is George C. Scott and his uh, wife and daughter are driving in the mountains. And this isn't a spoiler because it happens like in the first four minutes of the movie. Uh, A semi-truck blasts into the back of their car and kills his wife and daughter. So instantly he is set up as this broken, tragic, sad character. And he moves into this, this... historical house, this gigantic historical house, which is filled with all of the scary house tropes, the the cloth-covered furniture, the creepy attic, the... Uh, let's see, I wrote down all the tropes. Let's see, where'd they go? Uh, covered furniture, the old weird person warning him about not living there, and he still does anyway. Then they anthropomorphize the house by saying, it doesn't want people to live with it. And then it's got the creepy-ass attic. So it's got some standard haunted house tropes, but they might be 
originating in this film. This could be the originator of a few of those. And then, anyway, so as he moves into the house, he starts hearing things. He starts experiencing some uh, strange phenomena, like he's a composer and he teaches at this college. And he's working on this piece of music, and he thinks he's originally writing something. And he ends up being led up to the creepy attic, and he finds a music box that plays the exact melody that he has composed playing on the jukebox. And he's playing it for this friend of his, and he's like, I've never heard this before. I've never experienced this before, but it is note for note, key for key, the same song. And he can't explain it. It's got probably one of the creepiest scenes with a bouncing ball down a flight of stairs. It's got a, a wheelchair that chases it, that, that comes to life and rolls down the chairs, really the stairs really aggressively. It, it, and where I stopped taking notes is they bring in a medium and they do a seance. And during the seance, they have a recorder going and you can hear the spirit talking and you, the lady is writing down the answers and it's kind of very intense pressured spiritual writing way and it's it crescendos with that and then it's the scary and then the lady comes in and listens to it and she's crying because it's so sad and so touching how much pain the spirit's in and then the movie kind of unfolds from there because now they know something's going on it is it's the, the banging on the bathtub noise that he that wakes him up is still causes me anxiety to this day <laughs> How old were you when you first saw this movie? I think the, let's see, it came out in eighty, and I think I might have seen it in probably eighty-five or eighty-six okay. on VHS at some point. So it was relatively new. It was my first exposure to uh, just—I almost said to Patton, but to <laughs> Mister Mister George C. Scott. I had, and then when I saw him in Patton, he was a completely different character, which really solidified to me his skills as an actor because he plays this very weak, very vulnerable broken character in this movie and then of course in Patton he's Patton and I think it really says something because his persona like the perception of him probably due in no small part to Patton is that gruff strong somewhat cold emotionally cold type of person and he could have easily played that in every role he was in but the fact like you said in the changeling he goes more of the vulnerable route that really does speak volumes to his grasp of the craft, as it were. I never realized until this particular viewing just how music-centric this movie is. The, 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 the melody, the themes that are used throughout, especially like the music box and that kind of stuff, they're used to actually drive the plot, as well as the sound design help with the music to create almost all of the scares or with, use, use audio to help enhance them. And I never realized just how score-reliant this film is until this viewing. And it was kind of interesting to see just how 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 it was worked, because it's something that's not used very often like that anymore. Did you read anything about the story that this was based on? I did not. Okay. I don't have it immediately in front of me, but the man credited with the screenplay, I think there was maybe three names involved with the screenplay, but it was the the main name he supposedly according to wikipedia lived in a home in 1969 in somewhere in cal i think it was in california that 
had a similar set of circumstances. Now the house has since been torn down. Apparently historic. No, no, I take it back. It was in Colorado. I think it was, oh, was it in Denver or Boulder? One of those. It was in Colorado though. And the house has since been torn down. There was a picture of it. If you, I think it was in Wikipedia. If you go there, he claimed a lot of the same variables that come into play in the movie dealing with the kid and the attic and the red rubber ball. There was a lot of similarities to the point where, as I'm reading it, it wasn't a situation. A la Stephen King stays at the overlook hotel. Allegedly high as a kite. (laughs) You know, here's, here's things, whatever, or here's stories about the place inspires an idea so had he just said well i had heard stories about this place and i heard some weird noises and it just got me this idea i found a red rubber ball in the yard there's no kids that live there you know freaked me out you know that would have at least smacked a little bit more true because the description of what he went through was so it was too stitched together as a plot do you know what i mean oh yeah movies we i think we really are drawn to movies because they are provide the structure that life really lacks. Whereas in real life, the story would have gone more along the lines of, you know, he stayed at this place, maybe heard a couple bumps in the night, saw something weird and then moved away. (laughs) But it was a, you know, did research on the house, found out that some people had lived there with a disfigured child or a child with a disease. The child died, blah, 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 blah. It goes into this whole thing. You know, he just, goes into it was too much detail that I I'm not saying it was made up. I'm just gonna say that <laughs> it seemed a little too perfect. Since we're on the topic, have you had any experiences that would lead you to be someone who believes in paranormal events? I've yeah, I've experienced a couple things, but I think the problem is time as you go further and further for from such events, especially when they're more auditory or borderline secondhand, you can go back and say, well, could it have been this? Yeah, probably could have been that. Now, there were a couple things that happened that were weird at the house I lived in with my dad in high school, mostly. It was a regular suburban 1970s ranch house. It was it was a larger home in, I've mentioned it before on the podcast, it was like around 20 hundred square feet. We got it mainly because the guy was desperate for some reason to sell it and was selling it for, at the time, very little. It was 19, late 1980s, 1988 or so. And we got in there to give you an idea of what this guy was like. He was a bachelor at a 20 hundred square foot house with a large pool, large enough to have a diving board and a six foot uh, cinder block wall that went around the entire backyard. In my dad's room, <laughs> which was this guy's bedroom, the entire ceiling on one side mirrors. (laughs) The other side of the room when we moved in had a jacuzzi in it. Wow. Now it was just, it was a jacuzzi. You could, it wasn't like built into the ground. It was just literally in the room. Just, just sitting. I didn't, it wasn't as if someone's storing it there. I mean, it was meant to be in the room. And I remember the whole time thinking, this is weird. And then I thought it was even weirder that my dad got it out of his room. But to his point, he didn't want to smoke chlorine while he was sleeping. So I was like, okay, uh, good point. There, you know, when we got, there was a wet bar, pool table, the entire one wing of it near where my dad's room was, was actually an add on to the house. I think it's where the garage probably used to be. And then they added on even more room. Well, 
months after living there, I don't remember even how he figured it out, but he pulled back the carpet in one corner of his room to show me there was a safe in the freaking concrete of the floor of his room. And then in the living room area that had used to, that used to be the garage, there were these phone plugs like every two, three feet, like every two or three feet all along the floor. So I don't know what he was doing. I mean, I got my theories. Some involve drugs, some involve gambling. I really don't bookie. I don't know what the hell was going on there, but I just, I know that I ended up finding, he had left some books and I was going through them and he had a headshot from, I can't remember who, what her name was, but it was a relatively recognizable playboy playmate that had been autographed directly to him. And it was something, it wasn't like one of those generic, you know, Hey Rick, nice to meet you at, you know, dirty old man con or something. It was, (laughs) it was, it was, Hey, yo, Hey Rick, thanks for, thanks for all the laughs and the memories. You gotta let me, Bader con. Bader con. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for coming to that. You know, thanks for being the master of ceremonies at Bader con. (laughs) And but it was very personal. The message was not a, and the fact that he just even didn't even take it with him. Right. Yeah. So it was, and then my room, the entire wall, the one that I talked about, I had covered in my collage of iniquity. It was all my Fango cutouts and everything. That was in it. That entire wall was a mirror. It wow. was bizarre. So I get, I bring this all up to give it context. Weird crap would happen. One night we were, it was right after we moved in there. I'm in eighth grade or right about to go into eighth grade. And it was two o'clock in the morning. I'm up reading or something or watching a movie in my room. I think I was reading because I don't think the TV was on. And something just came barreling across the roof. And there was only a couple points that somebody could have gotten up on our roof. And one of those was directly outside of my window. And it would have required them climbing up a wooden gate that was connected to the blocks and then they would have gotten on the roof and barreled across. Well, I would have heard them get up there. So it was just, and it woke my dad up. So that was kind of a weird, it wasn't a raccoon. It was big. It's not like a grown man just running across the roof. We ran outside. There's nothing there. Just stuff like that. There would be, you know, you'd hear, you'd be in another room and you'd hear what sounded, we had these metal, long vertical metal blinds that went across the sliding glass door that led out to the porch. And it would sound like somebody, if you went by them relatively fast, it did like the, you know, kind of, kind of sound. And it would do that. Now, hindsight, could it have been maybe an air conditioner turned on? And Yeah, but that would have happened normally, and it didn't. And yeah. then the weirdest one was I had already, when I left for college, and I lived in Orlando, so I wasn't that far away. My dad one night, and during a storm, this actually makes it doubly creepy, he said it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, he hears somebody banging on his bathroom window or door, which led out to where the pool was. And you could you could have walked around from the side yard and gone into the back porch area and and gone to his bathroom door right there the, the door that led to his bathroom is right next to the pool and he's here bam, 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 and he hears me going dad dad let me it's storming he figures like my car something have my car i you know came home my keys whatever he's half asleep he throws open the door and there's nobody there wow and that was the only one that ever like is like oh that's great. oh and then there was one other time when i was sitting in the living room where all the the phone banks <laughs> were and i was talking to some little girlfriend or something you know whatever in my little delusions and it was again 12 o'clock one o'clock in the morning i'm like whispering because i didn't want to wake him up or my grandmother lived with us as well i didn't want to wake her up she was on the opposite end of the house he throws his door open he had his air conditioning on in his room and it was loud when it was on in his room and he throws it why are you yelling for your grandmother i'm like what are you talking about he goes i just heard you yelling for her to come to get the phone 
I have no idea what you're talking about. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. so either A, my dad hears voices, possible, not going to discount it, <laughs> or B, something weird that I can't quite explain. So that's yeah. probably the extent of my, how about you? Well, my grandparents live in South Carolina and they live in a fairly old home and we used to go visit for the summer. I had my fair share of experiences there that made me, whenever we go, I sleep with lights on. One of the creepiest was there's an area they call the green room and it has a little hallway that goes back to a back empty room. And when the people built the house, that was the place for the nanny. And then the nursery was behind the nanny's room and then the now empty room. Well, I heard walking down the hallway, which no one ever went down because it walked by my room and then into the, the nursery. And that hallway was pretty much deserted. It was just never used. I heard walking. Then I heard baby crying in that room. I asked my grandmother about it the next day because it kind of freaked me out. And she's like, oh, yeah. We hear that all the time. Uh, the baby passed away and the nanny hanged herself in that closet. Was your grandmother the type to screw with you? <laughs> no, huh? not at all. She had no sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, There was another night where I, we had a dog named uh, Max, and I was petting him, and all of a sudden you felt his hackles go up, and he started growling. And I looked down the hallway out of the, the bedroom I was in, and I saw a large black dog walking down the hallway. Daniel chased this animal, or Max chased this animal down the hall. Well, we all got up to go see how it gotten in. There was nothing in the house. And then your grandmother told you the story. <laughs> that she sat, she lived on a hell mouth. <laughs> the hell hounds. <laughs> no, it, it, there, are, there are a couple other stories, but those are the two that really wow. stand out. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah. Back to the changeling. I'm glad we had this little discussion. Yes, yeah, so let's go ahead and 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 go ahead and encapsulate. Go and I'm going to edit this part out, but I've got to. The woman actually just emailed me, and I've got to help her before Heather's meeting in 30 okay. minutes. So we'll okay, just go well, ahead. the the thing is, is that I really do think that this movie is begging to be remastered in HD hmm. and given a glorious 7.1 surround sound. Nice. I thought you were about be, to say remade. <laughs> no, no, no. This needs to be remastered and reissued in glorious HD with full on. 7.1 surround because of this as reliant as it is on sounds having the banging be around you and in your in your brain oh yeah would be really effective and when they're doing the EVP scenes during the séance that could be really good if it whispers from behind you wow the other thing i wanted to bring up real quickly is i think sam raimi probably watched this movie the reason being is this came out in 80 evil dead came out in 81 this movie does a couple of things that Raimi does. He does the EVP, not the EVP. He does the spirit drawing thing with the girls doing the, the art, and then she ends up drawing the Book of the Dead. And then they also do a POV of the entity moving around the house. They did the, the Deadite cam? Kind of. It, was more, it wasn't quite as shaky or aggressive. It was more of a... F did it do the... <laughs> and it, it, yeah, but it was less aggressive and less shaky. But the idea of a floating entity moving through the house point of view was done with this film as well. And that seems to have affected, in particular, his filmmaking. Interesting. Interesting theory. I think when uh, next time you get together with him, you should ask. Yeah, when we get together for drinks. 
I think that'd be a great idea. Because that's what we do. Yeah, just don't piss him off. <laughs> he's been he's been known to cut a fool. I'm just gonna yeah. throw it out there. <laughs> Hammond, thank you so much. Yep, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great having it. you on. And, and who knows? There are more bonus episodes to come. It is very possible. You never know. Maybe you'll be back for one more. <laughs> hey, you know what? Anytime. All right, man. I appreciate it. Uh, all right. Have a good one. Yep. Thank you for joining us for this special bonus episode of the 2014 Spooky Flicks Fest. And a special thanks to Hammond Chamberlain for all of his excellent contributions. Be sure to check out Beyond the Playlist with J. Hammond C. and iTunes, Hammond's excellent podcast. Looking for more spooky fun? Why not head on over to ForgottenFlicks.com, where you can sign up to receive free updates and something horrific delivered to your inbox every day in October. See you soon. Ha, 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 ha.